Greetings and salutations to everybody out there in podcast land. This is the Judo Chop Suey Podcast, and I'm your host, back again from a long hiatus, Judo Dave Roman. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? I know it's been quite a while since I've been behind this esteemed microphone. Well, it's not really esteemed, but you know what I mean. Just like the last time, I've been very busy with work, working weekends, and working late nights, so it's it's been quite a challenge for me to sit down and record an episode, but I have managed to do it for my wonderful listeners, each and every one of you, and I am not riding solo today. I am very pleased to announce, I've been teasing it for weeks, that my good friend and one of my favorite training partners, Judo Joe Kaiser, is joining me today. Now, just a word of warning, I want you guys to know that this episode was not recorded at my home studio or any studio for that matter. We had to make do with the location that we had, which was at Ybor City Jiu-Jitsu. So the audio quality is not quite where I want it to be, but this is the best I can manage. So look, without any further ado, Mr. Joe Kaiser. Welcome back. Joe, welcome back to the Judo Chop Suey podcast. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me. It's really great to have you back once again. It's been a long time. It's it's I've been teasing you coming back onto the podcast. There's a lot of things I want to catch up with. So why don't you tell the listeners? It's been gosh about what twenty episodes or so. It's been it's, a while. It's been a bit. Uh, you know, we've been talking about getting it getting it back together, but I think this is a good time since you know there's a lot of things have happened since uh, uh, last time I was on uh, in the world of judo and grappling related. So absolutely. So. Why don't you catch me up and catch everybody else up on what you've been doing really over the past six months or so? It's been a while, at least six months, I think. Yeah, uh, you, you know, a lot of the same, you know, just really uh, focused on uh, developing the the uh, judo program here at Ybor City Jiu-Jitsu Club, where we're actually taping today. Yes, it's hot as hell, but yeah. uh, we, we needed a place that was quiet, away from dogs and screaming kids, and this <laughs> happens to be it, but... But uh, yeah, I've been really focusing on here, uh, on the curriculum here. Uh, classes are going great, getting a lot more people. Not only are we maintaining the, the, the you know, the core group of folks that are we're, we're interested in learning judo, but we're really drawing in a lot more folks from the uh, the BJJ side of the house, if you will, here. And uh, man, I could be could could be going better, honestly. So you've got again, if correct me if I'm wrong, you you doing you're teaching judo three times a week at uh, Ebor City. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Yes. So how do you how are you structuring those classes on those days? So Mondays, uh, you know, we we have an hour, so that is more like an open mat type situation. Uh, you know, anybody who comes in, say they want to work on one throw in particular. Hey, how do I enter for uh, Tayatoshi? You know, I'll show them a couple things. And we, we generally have two or three black belts here on Mondays to help anybody who needs help with anything, whether it's gripping, uh, entry, you know, anything, honestly. So it's, it's, it's really just an open mat. We'll do Rondori if folks want to, or we'll just drill or, you know, like I said, it's, it's really, truly an open mat. Uh, Wednesday's classes, uh, you know, we, we have pretty much uh, two hours. And so, on, oh, okay. Yeah. So on, on Wednesday nights is like our, our really most structured class where we'll, uh, we'll come in, we'll warm up, maybe do some uchikomis and some drills, show one, maybe two techniques and variations. And then we'll have like uh, 
full Rondori sessions on Wednesday nights. And our, our Saturday class is, is really cool. Uh, we, we title the classes, no gi judo, right? So we're coming in here and, you know, this is for all you judo guys, all you judokas who miss the old leg grabs. You know, you want, you always want to do your kataguruma, but the rules didn't allow. So yeah, on, on Saturdays we come in, we work on pretty much, uh, any kind, kind of takedown, uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, focused on judo style takedowns but we get a lot of guys who wrestle and even like mma guys and even ex-pro fighters come in on saturdays and you know so we kind of keep that class it's not really an open mat but it's open to interpretation usually i have a technique i like to show or that we've been working on a series is what i've, I've really been doing i'll focus i'll spend one month on one throw and then uh we'll work on a another throw the next month and then we'll uh, work on combining those two throws how to set uh one up using a combo or vice versa you know but our saturday class uh, is is really uh coming along great and more people are getting interested in in doing no gi grappling yeah i agree and you can count me as one of those people who are more interested and we've talked about this in private i've mentioned this on the podcast as well that i'm i have gained uh a greater appreciation for no gi over the past several months since I, cause I come, I come as often as I can on the Saturday classes and I found that it helps my judo, um, tremendously. And I didn't believe that it would, but, but it certainly has. Um, so, and as you mentioned before, when we do the no gi, like I know there are wrestlers that show up. And I tell them, you know, if I remember to tell them, I say, hey, I want you to wrestle. If you see me sticking a leg out there and I'm vulnerable, go ahead and grab it. Do whatever you do. Lift that leg up high. Reap the other leg. Whatever it is that you do, you do what you do. And I found that it's going to help me. Uh, I think it's going to help me become a better uh, overall grappler. But because also I have aligned myself more with the judo black belt association freestyle judo that kind of thing i think in preparation for training with those guys and such now they're not they're not a bunch of leg divers but but certainly those are techniques that they do a lot more than what you'll see at your typical judo club yeah absolutely and that's one thing that i do love about the whole freestyle judo uh curriculum you know that they're, they're doing judo right judo as it was meant to be you know uh we're you know, traditional judo, you could grab the leg. And Absolutely. Like you, and like you say, judoka typically aren't a bunch of leg grabbers, but it should be on the table. It should be an option. Um, you know, I have conflicting feelings on, on the, like the IJF rule set for, for competition and stuff about, I, I get that they don't want guys just grabbing legs. They want to see judo, but I also don't think that they should take half of the, uh, you know, half of the curriculum away because it's there, you know, it's, yeah. it's legit. So I, so when it comes to you teaching the other judo classes that are done in the gi, what do you have conflicts on what you should be teaching or, or how you should have your guys training and such? I mean, do you, do you train for the IGF rules? I know you've got a bunch of people that do train, uh, at least on, for, for, uh, master's level, uh, tournaments national tournaments i would think correct yeah so what i what i like to do is whenever i'm showing a technique um 
I always like to show the traditional way it's done, right? No matter what I'm, I'm showing, Uchimata, I'll show the traditional with the standard kumikata entry and throw. And then I expand on that, especially since, like I say, most of my students are, the ones that do compete are competing in uh, BJJ tournaments, whether it's um, IBJJF or Naga or some of the other grappling association tournaments. And so I want them to be able to use what they're learning in those tournaments. So I absolutely uh, allow, allow leg grabs and maybe techniques that would not be legal in a IJF or a judo uh, tournament. But, you know, and I, I also uh, like I'll cater the throw, my, my um, interpretation of the throw to lend itself to benefit them in a BJJ situation, whereas maybe in a, judo situation it it wouldn't be effective so to you know further expand on that like you know traditionally uh when judoka throw uchimata you know they're really uh rolling through the throw you know to make sure for the upon right so they want to roll right across their opponent right in a bjj tournament that's not going to um benefit them at all as a matter of fact, it's it's really the opposite. It's going to hurt them. You know, they're going to score points for the throw. They're going to get the two points for the throw, but the other uh, their opponent's just going to end up on top. Right. If they roll through, the, the other opponent's just going to turn. They're going to be in side control. You got two points for the executing the throw. They're going to get the four points for side control, or three points, however the scoring works in the BJJ t- tournament. So when I show an Uchimata, I'm showing it more. Uh, Whereas Torre, you're going to land on top and not roll through, and you're gonna so you're gonna get your points for the throw and for uh you know like side control, so it can end up being a six point swing for a BJJ competitor, whereas a traditional Uchimata you know where you're really rolling through the throw, it's not really beneficial in in a BJJ or a submission wrestling grappling uh, situation. Right, right. Do you got a lot of guys that uh, that compete um, in in uh, local tournaments that you've seen them take some of the skills that you've shown them and, and apply it in the tournaments? Oh, absolutely. Um, we had we had a kid uh, who, you know, he's a, he's a blue belt uh, level BJJ player. Um, you know, he uh, he was doing the judo class probably six months or so, and. Uh, his first tournament, you know, I, I went and, and watched him compete and he was tossing guys with Tayatoshi, out gripping. That that's the one thing that I like to stress to um my BJJ guys. You know, as you know, I mean, as long as we've been training judo, it's not like it ever becomes easy. Right. You know, um one one of the misnomers, um, like a lot of a lot of guys who compete in BJJ here and some of the ones who don't regularly attend my judo classes you know, they'll, they'll come up to me and say, Hey, I got a tournament coming up in a couple of weeks. I'd like to come in and learn some judo. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, that's not going to help you. Right. you. If you really want, if you want to use judo effectively, come in here minimum six months and you may get one good technique. I go, but the one thing that I will stress that I can help you with in your tournament is gripping, right? Show you a couple of things because to me, even just being able to outgrip your opponent can prevent them from what they want to do. Absolutely. Especially these guys that like to jump guard. If you see a guy and you know that he likes to jump guard, 
there's a couple of gripping strategies where you can prevent him from doing that. And now he's got to figure out a way around your gripping. So that that's the one thing I, I like guys who have a, sh- they want to come in and they want to learn something to help them in a, in a BJJ tournament. That's where I'll focus my attention. Not so much throws and stuff like that, because as you well know, how long you've been working on your Uchimata? I've been working on my Uchimata for 10 Six years. Six years, yeah. Yeah, 10 years and it's okay. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I hear you. They're not going to come in and learn something and toss somebody immediately. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about a throw that I've managed to learn lately. <laughs> we'll get there that I seemingly just learned right away and been able to toss people with. But uh, we'll we'll get there eventually. Yes. So the Saturday class, it's it's been a really great thing for me. Um, yesterday's class in particular was awesome. We must have had about 10 adults total, huh? We had 10 adults yesterday and, uh, which, you know, now that's kind of the norm, right? For you in the judo class, at least sometimes, cause you, sometimes you tell me you get 10, 20 people on the mat. Yeah. So Wednesday nights, 10 would be like a small class. That's a small class. Yeah. Right. Monday nights, uh, because of the time we, we started 5 PM. So it, it's a little tough for guys to get here and we only have an hour, but six is a great Monday night class. And that's also good because that being that open mat, it really gives – it's almost like – and like if we have six people, three might be black belts. So it's almost like everybody has a black belt, black belt to work with. Right. And it's perfect. It's almost – I don't want to encourage people not to come, but six is like the perfect Monday night class. Any bigger than that, you know, it might lose its effectiveness. I see. Yeah. But uh, for a Saturday class, man, uh, 10 – 10 people and what, uh, four, uh, five black belts. Yeah. Yesterday, half the class was black belts. Yeah. Let's yeah. see. Me, you, uh, Josh Rafferty, yeah. um, Victor, and, and Matt, Matt. Matt. Yeah. And two brown belts. Yeah. As well. Uh, my, my son and my wife. So it was like a pretty high level Saturday class. And it, it was really probably the best Saturday class we've had. Yeah, yesterday, yesterday, we're recording this on Sunday. Yesterday was a lot of fun. And I, I got to tell you, you know, I came away from yesterday because because we both did we did no gi and then we did gi and it was just so much fun. It was really the most fun I've had doing judo in a very long time. As sad as it is to say, it's it's been the most fun. And and in particular, I, I gotta. I mean, I doubt they're listening to this, but you know, Victor and Matt. I what those are now. Victor, I've done Rondori with years ago, and and he was always a little stiff because he had that the issue with his hip. But boy, did he move really smoothly yesterday. He was a lot of fun to do judo with. And and Matt, I've never gone with Matt before. And you know, when you when you do Rondori with somebody you've never done Rondori with. I always try and take it light because you never know what the guy is going to do. So I almost prepare myself that, all right, I'm going to, well, first, before we gripped up, I said, look, I'm going to say, let's go light, but I really mean let's go light. I'm not, because <laughs> most of the time when people say, hey, let's go light, that usually means you go light and I'll throw. Yeah, it's yeah. usually what that means. Yeah, but that means, hey, please be my uke yeah, so but, I can try right, my right. techniques. Yeah. But, you know, I kind of told Matt, hey, you know, <laughs> I'm tired. I, I, you know, I just, I really just wanted to go light because part of me was a little bit nervous. I, you know, he's a big guy. So I was like, gosh, I don't know if, you know, if he's going to, you know, hurt me or whatever. Man, that was the most fun doing Rondori. If I were to rank top 10 Rondori ever, 
that was one of them. And and I you've probably done a lot of training with Matt uh, previously. I know he comes to the class a lot, so that was a lot of fun. I mean, I do you have is that how he is all the time? And yeah, he's one of the best uh, training partners we have that I have. Absolutely, um, he he's one of those guys that he adjusts to the uh, his um, training partner's level, right? So if if an experienced player comes in here and wants to go. I'm not gonna go hard, and, yeah. and and Matt can go hard with you. If you're a, a yellow belt, a green belt, who you know w- wants to work on technique and work on moving around, he goes at your level, and he's he's a great training partner. He he will take falls. Yeah, if you come in on a good technique, he will take the fall. Uh, the funny thing is, is yesterday is the first time he's ever been to the nogi class. Oh, I've okay. been t- I've been trying to get him in here. I'm like, man, you got. He's like, well, I've never did nogi. I'm like, just come in. You'll you'll enjoy it. And man, did he look good? Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that that he felt the same way about it, and that he'll be here uh, from Saturdays now on. Because um, I watched him going with one of our our, our white belts, and uh, our white belt uh, who has wrestled, and and he also takes the BJJ uh, classes here, so he's got some grappling experience. Yeah, uh, and his judo's really coming along. But uh, I watched him and Matt doing Rondori and No Gi and. Man, Matt hit uh, like a beautiful Uchimata to Tayatoshi combination, and then he hit a beautiful Ouchi to Kouchi without the gi, and it was like it looked like his gi judo. Yeah, yeah. And, and I even talked to him afterwards, uh, and, he, and he's such a humble guy. I'm like, man, your, your no gi looks really good. He's like, oh, I just got lucky on this. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Those were good techniques for you, and your first time ever doing this. And the thing is, when when I was doing Rondori with with uh with Matt and Victor, it reminded me of what the times that I've done Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, guys that are really skilled, you know, blue belt and up and stuff, guys that really know that get how to, to flow and move and practice and, and leave the ego off the mat. And that, that's what that was for me yesterday. And it, it, it's been a long, when we do around Dory or when I go with Steph or Joey, it's, it's the same as well. But when it comes to people, I don't really know. Usually I'm like, all right, well, here it goes. It's a, we're bulls in China shops, you know, just pushing each other around. That's, that's what it is for me at a lot of clubs. And, you know, as I'm getting more fit and 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 healthier and losing a lot of weight, I'm also just not nearly as strong. So, I mean, what last week I weighed myself? I was 147 pounds here. I mean, I I haven't, wow. you know, when it, you when you look at my my podcast uh, cover art, I'm 167 in that picture. So it's it's a 20 pound difference. So I've lost. Even Victor noticed right away how much weight I've lost because I last time I saw him I was 165, and that was like six months ago. So. Wow. So I, but I'm noticing I'm, I'm easy to move or, you know, somebody that really wants to just stiff arm me and shake me around. Like it's not hard for them. Right. It's, it's no, it's no harder for them to do that than it is for me taking some 110 pound teenager and, and yanking him around, which I don't do things like that. But, right. But that's how it is. And, um, but, but those guys, it was, it was like I was doing what I see jujitsu, high level jujitsu guys do when they practice. It felt like that it's on like my feet. It's like a flow roll, yeah. It, it, well, like a flow roll except standing. Except you know, standing, right. We're coming in, we're moving around, you know, we're getting angles of attacks and we're throwing, you're taking the fall, nobody's spinning out, nobody's doing anything stupid. 
to to you know that's what it was. It was ego free Rondori. It's been a shockingly. It's been a lot. I don't see enough of that in judo. Yeah, and uh, I think those guys obviously they're they're both you know they both of those guys have been doing judo since you know they were young kids and they're you know not to date them but you know they're they're elder statesmen sure. on the mats. But uh, so they've been doing it a long time. But I think one of the things that really benefits them is most of the time that they're doing Rondori in our classes, they're going with yellow belts, white belts, green belts. Yeah. And so you can't just go out there and, like you say, ragdoll some, uh, you know, I have quite a few female students, right? Yeah. You know, a guy like Victor is not going to grab some. 120 pound girl who's a white belt and just chuck her around the mat. Right. He's got, he's got to move light. He's got to play light. Let her, you know, when she comes in for a good throw, take the fall. And I'm sure that that's helped them as well become great sparring partners. Not that they weren't already. Right. But, but they do that on a weekly basis, you know. And believe, and believe me, we've seen plenty of guys that won't do that. Oh, absolutely. And shame on that. Anybody, any of you guys listening, if you're that guy, don't be that guy. Cause that's just, that really, you know, when I see people going hard with, with, uh, people, especially people who are smaller and yanking them around or, or, or women, you know, guys that are like 220 and you slamming, you, you know, green belts or whatever through the mat, and it, 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 completely oblivious to, yeah. And, to, to protocol, in my opinion. And not only is that, you know, obviously it's, I don't know if it's ego when you're an upper belt, like, oh, you know, I, I'm not going to let this person throw me. or do, But what it really does, uh, in my opinion, is it discourages people from getting back on the mat. Right. They're, you know, because judo is frustrating enough as it is, right? I mean, how many times have you worked on a throw and then you go out and Ron Dory against somebody and they're stronger or bigger than you more experienced and you're, you're coming in, you felt like you were coming in good and they're, they're just countering or stiffing you out. And it makes you think, man, I, I'm just never going to get this throw. And you, you give up on it and you right. uh, go back to, you know, uh, your, your favorite technique or something or something else you're already comfortable doing. It, it just discourages people from, from working on things when you go out there and you, you know, same in same in BJJ, right? If if you go out here and you roll with black belts and they just strangle you every time you make a mistake, or you or they can just do it at will anyway, what what's the point, right? Yeah, and and of course, you know, there is a time and a place for that, um, but not every single Rondori session has to be simulated Shi'ai. Exactly, you, you, it doesn't have to be that way, and and I think. You know, it it seems like at least here anyway, people had kind of figured out, you know, what's the proper pace. Now, I don't know about the jujitsu guys that come in. I don't know if they go for gold. I would think some do uh, because, you know, look, I was a white belt once. Yeah. If I could throw a black belt, no matter how or, or when, I, I'm go- I was going to do it. And I had a bad, ad- you know, it was a bad attitude back when I was a beginner, but I didn't know any better, you know? Right. And obviously... With, you're right. With rank comes that. I remember, you know, I came in to uh, BJJ training. I had already had six or seven years of judo experience under my belt. And so, you know, even when I would do Nawaza Rondori, uh, it, it's a different feel. Judo guys don't really flow roll. You know what I'm right. saying? They can go light, but it's still, it, it's not really a flow type and when I came in here, I was that way as well. Yeah. And I think somewhere probably uh, 
maybe a year or so into having my blue belt right before I got my purple belt, that's when I, I, it clicked about the, the flowing. Yeah. And, and obviously with judo, I've been doing that much longer and I'd already got to that level of, you, you know, you know, how, how much is enough and how much is too much in yeah. terms of, you know, you know, how hard you're going. And it, it's, but you're right. The folks here have definitely, uh, in the judo class, they, they know everybody's cause we have so, so many good training partners here. And, you know, it's a credit to them as well. Just, you know, they go, they know that they, when they go with a, like a guy like Victor or a guy like Matt or myself, even I'm not going to, you know, I'm not just looking to throw them into the mat or, you know, her, her you know, ragdoll them or stiff them out. If they come in with a good technique, I'm taking the fall. I'm going light. I'm moving. I'm not, you know, you know, bearing my heels into the mat and just trying not to get thrown. So because you have, you know, a mix of, of experience, judoka, you have uh, a mix of, of uh, jujitsu guys that are trying to learn judo and so hey some of your jujitsu guys and not just learning judo they're actually becoming pretty good you know i'm thinking of uh bc is one yes um i know i i know you got a few guys that are coming along so how as a as a coach as an instructor how do you pick the techniques you're going to teach how do you determine that do you do you use video do, i mean do you go to the kodakon site do you go by what you learn from dave do you do you go to find new things to teach like what is what is your process to determine that and for both gi and and no gi so real honestly it's a mixture of all those things i first and foremost I, i'm i'm showing techniques mostly that you know that i learned and you learned as well from dave uh but, you know, I'm not above looking, especially when it comes to Nogi, right? Because there's no real curriculum out there for Nogi. Right. Uh, and certainly Nogi Judo, which is, you know, I know Carl Parisian had a new Nogi uh, video once. I, I remember seeing that at the beginning of the video. He was like, guys, this is really hard to do. <laughs> it's like, and, and I'm thinking to myself, well, anybody who just bought this video now, they're just, they're just deflated. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny is I never, I've never watched that video, but there's a book. Uh, actually, uh, Dave had the book, uh, an illustrated, uh, or pictorial, of, and went into depth on all the no gi judo moves. And, and I borrowed that book from him for a while. And, you know, obviously Carl was great without the gi. And, uh, I picked up a lot of stuff from there and obviously, um, there's a lot of good videos online. It's, it's one of those things, you know, when you, when you're using videos online, you kind of got to, uh, sit through a couple of bad, not bad ones, but maybe ones that that's not the way I would teach it. And then you come across one that's like, wow, I never thought about doing this that way. Um, I remember, uh, I had a certain way that I would do drop Sayonagi without the gi. And then I, I came across this video. It was, uh, this, it was actually a female, uh, judoka. She was from somewhere in Europe, uh, on one of the national teams. And she was showing her variation on the Nogi drop Sayanagi. Uh, it was just a, really a different grip, the way she went into it. And I taught that on one of my Saturday classes and it was so effective and so, uh, good. One of, one of the things, especially, like I said, with BJJ competitors, and drop Sayanagi in particular, 
there's always that added risk of getting your back taken and getting choked out, right? When you do that. And it's, it's even a factor in, in judo, but we, we know you, you got to really get deep in between their legs when you drop. But, uh, it was just the way that, uh, she, she set it up and her grip. Uh, and I, I showed that and it was just some random video that I found scouring YouTube and it, it was a, a great video. And obviously Travis and Jimmy, uh, have some great no gi uh, judo takedown video instructionals out there on uh, YouTube, and, and I've I've used some of those as well. And also, like um, you mentioned, a, a guy earlier who trains here, Josh Rafferty, you know, a, a, a former pro MMA fighter, and he trains. Yeah, he uh, was in the UFC, correct? Yeah, yeah. UFC, Bellator, and so, some other orgs. And uh, he, he, you know, he's. Uh, He's trained all over the country with some of the top guys, like guys like Eric Paulson and uh, Caesar Gracie out at their academy. And uh, he actually trains uh, Dave Bautista, uh, some and some yep. other pro wrestlers as well. You, you I know, know uh, Sheamus, uh, Sheamus, and uh, Samoa, Joe. Samoa Joe, yeah, and yeah. a couple other guys. So, but he's he's got a wealth of uh, knowledge. And his first martial art is uh, he was actually judo. He's a judo black belt, yeah. and. Uh, there's been a couple of little things that he showed me without the gi for for hitting judo throws that are like real amazing. Just little little tweaks to what I was showing, and you know I've added that. So it it, it comes from everywhere. You know I'm very open minded. Uh, some of my favorite uh, no gi techniques I've actually learned off of some videos that the uh, jiu jitsu instructor here uh, has has shown me some sambo videos. Japanese guys doing sambo. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the Samba guys wear a gi top, but these, uh, these techniques, uh, have a very easy, uh, no gi, uh, variation of it. And some of my favorite techniques have come off that Samba video that I, I do a no gi. Yeah. It, before we, before I get on, uh, cause I want to continue this train. I thought I got to say yesterday we did, uh, doing the no gi. Josh was there. Yes. And <laughs> It was not easy. For, I mean, I was a little tired, but that's no excuse. Josh was b- basically impossible for me to do anything on uh, Noki. And there was a there was an instance because because Josh has got to be about two hundred five. Uh, yeah. You know, he's got a good fifty pounds on me. He's a big he's a big dude, but I got his leg, and I was gonna go in for my uh, my Ouchi. I had one leg. I went in for Ouchi. And I thought, as soon as I grabbed that leg, I thought to myself, fine, I, I'm going to get him. Oh, my God. I, I pretty much slammed into him like I slammed into a wall. <laughs> and I, I, I was just like, the buzzer went off. And he was like, oh, that was a good entry. But it was it's like, it was almost like, keep trying, little man. You, you get there yeah. one day. <laughs> it was just so he, he would. But I was stunned that he he stuffed me. So well, not, take away the size difference because I don't think that mattered. I don't, he, he did something. He bent in a way that just completely stuffed, neutralized, uh, my attack with just one leg. I, I had one leg. Yeah. I had one leg up and he still managed to stuff me. Like I said, man, he's trained with so many high level guys, uh, pro MMA fighters all over the country, you know, for his fights and helping other guys in their training camps. Um, I know he's trained with like, uh, Tim Crater, who was yep. a fighter in, in, uh, the UFC as well, and just tons of guys. Uh, he's very good friends with Rich Franklin, uh, so I know he's trained with Rich quite a bit. And just um, 
you know, combining the wrestling, the submission, grappling, the judo, the jujitsu, you know, he's seen, he's probably seen all of it. He's actually shown me some cool stuff, uh, MMA t- variations on judo techniques yeah. and how he's used them in actually in MMA fights, like, uh, using the, the cage for Kazushi on an Ouchi takedown. Right, right. And an Anuchi Mata off the cage where, uh, where you got the underhook and the guys using the cage to wall walk and the way you can turn out and throw a new, a nice Uchimata, you know, just stuff like that, that I would never think of not right. being an MMA fighter, uh, but just uh, brilliant moves. And like I said, a wealth of experience. And yeah, I had that same thing, man, when, when, when I'm doing like no gripping, like no gi gripping that that's something, you know, coming from a, a judo background and even BJJ, you know, we all, that's one of my, uh, I'm not going to call it uh, an issue, but it's one of those things where when we get reliant on the gi, you know, uh, obviously if you compete in the gi and that's all you do, then yeah, gi is, gi grips are always going to be there, right? Right. But if you're one of these guys that wants to do no gi or if you you have a, a aspiring to compete in MMA or even self-defense, right? The gi, you're not always going to have something to grab onto. Right. So learning how to grip without the gi on is very important, but something that I had zero experience with, I never wrestled only judo. Uh, so some of the techniques that he's shown me for getting grips and, you know, setting up grips and no gi has been invaluable. So. And I gotta, I gotta say, like, I talked about this before in previous episodes, doing, doing no gi judo, you can't stiff arm in no. a, without you. So now you are, you're, everything you're doing is based on movement. You know, you you still got to get your grip, but once you have a grip and once two people are locked in a way, now it's about moving, it's about feeling, it's about, it's a lot more judo-esque than when I see, like I say, sometimes bulls in China shops, you know, gri- just gripping the gi and just pushing each other around. And I'm not talking about white belts. I, I'm talking about black belts. The other day I saw a video on, on some, uh, I think that's some, club's website or or uh, instagram or something like that and it was like their rondori session and and i was like well i i don't know i don't see any rondori here i see a bunch of guys you know shoving each other around and you, you know just moving i didn't see anybody get thrown so yeah and you're right it, it I, I hate to say it you know i'm i i love uh i love grappling in a gi uh it definitely there's a lot a lot of technique that you know you have to be really technical in the gi right uh there's a lot of more uh setting somebody up and without the gi it kind of it strips all that away i'm not saying that uh you know i think we're being a, a bigger guy and uh strength maybe play a little more factor without the gi right uh a, a big strong guy who doesn't maybe have the technique that you have he can just bear hug you right Right. And so now you got to know, how do I get out of this or what can I do from, you know, from here? But, you know, if he, he overhooks your arms, you can swim under for the underhooks and maybe hit like a, a Kosodogari or, uh, or an Ouchi from the underhooks, you know, things like that. Things that you don't really have to worry about in Gi. Uh, I'm not saying you don't have to worry about it, but it's just not there as much. Sure. Yes. Sure. And I got to be honest. Um, a lot of these techniques that I've learned, you know, like, cause I'm, I'm a student of no gi as much as I am an instructor. Right? right. I'm on the same level, maybe even like behind some of these guys that have wrestled before on these grips. So I'm very much a student, but 
a lot of these no-gi techniques, I've moved over to the gi and it has helped tremendously. Like throws that I was never good at before where I almost do a no-gi variation of it with the gi. Right. Uh, has really helped help my uh, uh, attacks go more successful. You know, uh, in particular, like uh, there's a Sayanagi I like to do no-gi. And I started thinking to myself, well, why wouldn't this work in the gi? I can, you know, I can grab in the same spot. The entry is going to be the same. I'm not really relying on the gi, but it'll work. And sure enough, you know, I, my uh, success rate with, with, with Sayanagi, which I never used to throw in the gi other than drop Sayanagi, uh, has went way up. I, I, I hit this throw a lot more. Right, yeah, you you hit me with it yesterday. It took the air out of my lungs. So you, you, that's 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 like three times now that you've got me, you know, standing no less too, yeah, yeah. which is really impressive. Especially, you know, it's one thing when you drop, but but when you do it standing, it's uh, everybody takes note. That's one of those. That's one of those big time uh, throws that everybody takes notice when you when you standing Sayanagi, people see it. Right, and uh, and like I said before, I I modified my standing version to this no-gi variation i never hit i never even attempted it because yeah. to me unless you've got a great you know and there's people that have great sayanagis from the feet i'm not one of those guys i feel like um maybe maybe it was my entry it was too long and people could just see it coming mm-hmm. whereas with this variation that i'm doing now it's cut the entry in half and so I, i'm getting in quicker and once you're in the rest of the throw is easy. So when it comes to so something like that Sayanagi or or some of these other techniques, uh, the Yoko Wakari that you showed me, yeah, uh, which I definitely want to get into yeah. that. Um, do you practice this? Do you go through a dry run before you teach this stuff? I I mean, if it was me, I would. You know, pr- to be honest, I probably should. Right, I'll review a video a few times, and luckily for me, I have two ukes at home. Yeah. So normally, like if uh, if I plan on showing something that I've learned from a video or something I've seen online, no gi wise before class, you know, I'll grab my son or I'll grab my wife and say, hey, come here. I need to take some falls. I want I want to see how this works or if there's anything I can tweak to it. And normally, if it, if it feels like a pretty good technique and, I, and it, everything feels good, I'll, I'll, you know, ask them, hey, did did I, did it feel like a, a good, clean throw? Or is there something else I can do? I'll, you know, I'll, I'll ask for an opinion on it. But normally, I'll do a a an abbreviated dry run, if you will, before the class. You will, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so, that's it, though. I, I, it's not like I've spent a week working on it before I get here. You know? So how you showed me a little bit, uh, probably about a month ago, only a month, uh, Yoko Wakari, yeah. Uh, Nogi, mm-hmm. Nogi version of Yoko Wakari. I you had shown this to me about um, seven, eight months prior, and, and I was and at the time I was like, ah, ah, that's kind of interesting. I don't know if it's for me. Um, but going through some of the curriculum, and and this is really no secret. I am looking to test for my Nidon in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things I don't know that I feel that I should know. And traditional Yoko Wakari was one of them. So I came, I went up to you and was like, well, you know, I want to try this in the gi because this is no gi. I know you showed this to me months ago. You, you know, why don't you show me the Yoko Wakari? Where did you learn that? Who taught that to you? Or did you learn that from Sensei YouTube or something like that? 
I believe I I I had saw um so I originally had taught it in the gi here, not the traditional version, but like a, a modified version that I had seen on a, on a YouTube video, right? So I showed it in the gi and it was very effective. And one of our judoka, the trainer at BC, who you mentioned earlier, he, it was like, he nailed it right away. It's like, he'd been doing it his whole life. And I was like, man, that's your throw. When you get that grip and the way that um, he was hitting it was, Basically, uh, an underhook grabbing the belt with with one arm and the other arm grabbing the sleeve. Mm-hmm. And then basically just, you know, throwing that sleeve between uh, his opponent's legs and pulling up on the belt. And basically, the person rolls across, almost rolls across your chest to their back. Right. And he was just, he was murdering people with that throw because he kept getting to that grip, you know, uh, he and he was murdering people with that. So... I was like, man, that's such a great throw. And then I started using it and I was getting big guys that I could never throw with it. Right. Because once you, you start, uh, you get that, that underhook and you're, you, you got a hold of that belt and you really pull that sleeve down, it really compromises their balance, right? So you, you pull them down they're, they're you know, we're breaking their posture, their head's going way forward. And at that point, you really just have to kind of almost do that little twist move under them yep. and they're going, especially moving. Like if I get that belt grip and I'm pulling the guy and he's walking into me, walking into me, and I just drop, they're they're going across, and uh, so I started thinking to myself, well, man, that's a great throw. So what I, one of the things that I try to do, especially since uh, a lot of the same students are coming to the nogi class, can I do this throw nogi? I know there's some throws that are never really going to work in nogi, mm-hmm. but they're re- but I was like, well, the shoko Wakari, you know, there's no belt to grab, but you could grab the far hip. And get that grab at the wrist, maybe that'll work. And so I started doing it in a nogi class, and then I started finding, man, it works just as good because the kazushi's there, everything's the same, the entry's the same. Obviously, you don't have the belt grip, but that um, that wrist, you know, driving it through their legs and rolling through, it, it was just as effective. So that that's kind of where I developed that that nogi one. And I I gotta tell you. you for years, my Tokui Waza, as you know, is Osotogari. Right. I mean, I, I can do that throw from any grip, you know, and if I get the right angle and stuff, it usually I can get that throw on, on a lot of people. Well, yeah, I remember many, many, many a day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's not bring up his name. But yeah, I caught, I caught somebody pretty good. Oh, oh them too. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also remember many a day being on the receiving end of your Osoto. And it, you're right. That that was definitely your best technique. But I, I, I got to tell you, now it's Yoko Wakari. And I don't know. I have never, because I brought this up about a month ago, the last time, the last episode, I or the episode prior, I talked about Yoko Wakari, because mm-hmm. I talked about a Noki. Oh, it's kind of fun throw, a little throw that I'm doing, that kind of thing. But I can't believe, I've maybe practiced this, if you include the actual, you know, the Nagewaza of the throw, and maybe some of the Uchikomi, I've maybe done it 50 times, tops, yeah. in practice. And now I'm catching people... Left and right, and yeah. and this is like, this has become the this has become my best throw. I fifty times, and now it's become my best throw. And the shocking thing is, is to me is that I've already done this throw on various people in about six different variations of it with with six different grips. I have that that uh, 
you know, that Urigarami grip. Yeah, I have you around the grip. back grip. Yeah. I, yesterday, um, I threw I threw Matt with it. I mean, yeah, we were going light, but I didn't I didn't take his his hand off the lapel. I just grabbed his hand and, and grabbed underneath his his right around his bicep and just twisted under. I didn't even I I created a little bit of space. I just dove right under. I didn't have to. I didn't pop it off the lapel. It's just really incredible how. And the, I remember, and I was looking at my Instagram almost a year, literally almost a year to the day we started doing our our uh, working on Yoko uh, Tomoinagi. Oh yeah, yeah. And I wanted to get good at that throw, and I, I mean. I can I can demonstrate it at the very least I can demonstrate it, but I was looking for. I remember telling you I need a sacrifice throw. I'm getting old. I can't I can't dive under people's legs like I used to be able to do with with you know Sayo Yatoshi go on her knees get between them. Right. I can't do that anymore. I don't have. I, I'm losing. I've lost speed. I I can't. I don't have that kind of quickness. So so I needed to find a throw, a sacrifice throw that I feel that I can. That I don't need that kind of diving speed, but I can still get quickly. I thought Yoko Tomoinagi was going to be that throw. But for me, it's Yoko Akari. Yep. It's so quick. It's so efficient. And and it's effective. It's so effective. Like I said, I showed that to BC and it, it immediately became, like, like I said, it looked like, oh, he's been doing this for years. But literally, the day I showed it to him, he was just nailing people with it left and right me included I'm like, yeah yeah i showed him a technique for him to beat me up with but uh that um it's that, funny i got i got him with it too yesterday yeah yeah it's, i didn't i didn't know that was one of his yeah techniques and, and too. I, I remember teasing him like man see see you, yeah you're getting beat with your own technique <laughs> that's fine i didn't know that that's funny but that goes to show how effective it really is and i remember last saturday when uh you hit me with it twice and you didn't even realize you were doing it off that that uday garami that, that right. key lock grip the beauty of that one is, is um, I'm not sure. And this is my, where I'm going to play ignorant to the IJF rules. I don't know can, if you can. Can you throw from a key lock grip in judo? I have no idea. I mean, the way that I do it off of that grip, I'm not I, contrary to popular belief or unpopular belief, whatever you want to call it. I'm not twisting your arm um, like. As if I'm trying to submit you with no. that. So I'm, it's, it's pretty safe. What I'm doing is I'm shoving that arm or I'm shoving that with that grip, but I'm still shoving it like right around right. Your, the center of your, you know, you right around your stomach right, you know, right. or through the legs. That's what I'm doing. Well, the beauty of it is, is what I was going to say is if that is legal in judo, and I'm sure somebody from the show will let us know, one of your listeners will let us know. Uh, the beauty is, is say you land and the, re- uh, the referee calls it wazari. Not only are you landing in an osakome, right? Because you're you're landing in side control, but you've got a submission locked in already. Right. All you have to do is switch your hips. Switch your hips. They're, they're tapping right there. Yeah. Because I, I that first time you threw me with it, like I said, I don't even think you realized you had that grip. I'm like, man, I do not want to get caught in this because yeah, the throw is one thing. The submission, it was right there. My, you, you had the shoulder lock. It was in. Yeah. And. Basically, once you grab that grip and you go to throw, your opponent has to go with – they have to be thrown. Because if they try to muscle and stand up, they're going to get their shoulder ripped out. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's a great – like for submission wrestling and no-gi and I guess the uh, the uh, 
we don't know what the verdict is on, on using that in judo tournaments, but it's a great throw. I feel like you said it's not a dangerous I, throw. I got to think you can. I, I would think. I, I, I don't quite know. It's not a submission. It There is no risk to the arm at all. Nobody is going to get hurt. Nothing like that. Well, like the traditional Udegarami, like the one that Kimura used, right? Where he would enter and get that grip and then throw you with the Is that legal anymore? That, I don't, yeah, probably not. Okay. Yeah, probably so, not. Okay. So, yeah. To me, I don't see why not. I mean, I understand for safety reasons. And like I said, a lot of these things that are illegal in uh, judo tournaments are perfectly fine in B- BJJ tournaments. Yeah, and freestyle judo and freestyle tournaments, judo of course. Well, right? yeah. yeah, so... Yeah, that's the beauty. And that's why I showed all these techniques. And then, you know, if people are, if they're looking to compete in judo, then we'll, you know, I'll do a special class, uh, like a competition class where we'll go over the rules and scoring. Because uh, recently um, I attended a, a, a judo camp. Yeah. And well, we definitely want to get there. And and we, we had an IJF referee come in and talk about scoring and rules and things like that. Interesting, interesting. Definitely, definitely want to. I definitely want to get there. I mm-hmm. just wanted to, just wanted to say before we move on to that topic, this throw. I've, I, I have not been. I've not. I, I feel so re-energized with my judo with this throw. It, it's, it, it's, it, it's great to learn something new, and 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 be able to see see it just, be able to get it so quickly. And now I'm thinking of, well, gosh, can I do it from this grip? Can I do it from that yeah. grip? You know, yesterday, not only did I throw it from, from one side that I feel stronger, I, I did it on my weak side. Um, so somebody had gripped, gripped me, you know, uh, you know, left versus right situation. I did the same thing. It, it wasn't as clean as I've done it on the other side, uh, as I do it on the, the way that I feel comfortable with, but I just feel very energized by this throw. I'm like, gosh, I, all these people that because after a while when you train with a bunch of people you know, they they kind of know your tricks they kind of know how you move yeah but but this is this makes me move in a direction in a way that I don't move in in my judo now I I must admit after trying it about ten times yesterday and being successful with it most of the time my whole body's sore <laughs> because I am dropping to the mat right. every time that's why hence sacrifice technique you're sacrificing your body um and in your sacrifice you momentarily sacrifice position in order to gain an advantage and it, it does work but but yeah dropping all all those drops to the ground and, and on top of being thrown just in rondori and things like that it it i i don't know how do you do you get so like do you feel sore today from yesterday um, not really no not really but um which yeah, is, I am. I, which I'm is a surprise I, because I, I took my knees and everything. <laughs> I took a week off. You know, I was on vacation last weekend. Other than doing some hiking, you know, I, I didn't do any training. Uh, I did pick up a little bit of an injury uh, when I was in Mexico, so that's kind of uh, limited my training uh, a bit as well. But I'm I'm getting back to where I I think I can train like full full bore now. So let's let's get to Mexico. Sure. Tell me about what this. So this was a training camp. Yeah, so it was called a judo veterans camp. It was actually um, put together by Victor, who trains here at the club. Uh, he is from Mexico originally, and so we, we he set up the camp in Mexico in Playa de Carmen, and you know, but people were invited from all over. So we we actually had two Olympians at the camp. Uh, we had some, uh, 
Sabrina Filsmoser. Uh, oh, she was there. Oh, yeah. She okay. came to the camp. Yeah. I didn't know that. All right. Yeah, who uh, uh, competes for Austria. And we had none other than Travis Stevens. Uh, yeah. I don't know that I need to tell everybody who he is, but, you know, the silver medalist from the U.S. Uh, national team at 81 kilo. Um, and he actually, you know, ran the camp. Uh, he So it was his camp. Yeah, well, it, it was – so the camp was supposed to be geared towards veterans, but there were a lot of uh, uh, 18, 20-year-olds from the Mexican national team that Victor had invited along as well. And, it, you know, it was, it was so it was a mixture of, you know, older judoka and, like, young – up-and-coming young kids who, who were pretty good judokas. So, so this camp you flew out to – uh, I'm guessing you flew to the Cancun airport yep, and you took you took a boat over the Playa del Carmen because that's how it was for me when I went on the cruise. Actually, um, we flew into Cancun and we drove down the Playa. You can you can drive the Playa. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. So this camp was how many days? It was let's see, the camp I believe was five days, six days maybe. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was this your first training camp? Yeah, I've been to a couple, you know, like seminars with some other uh, Olympians before and some other high-level players. But this was the first time that, you know, I had ever went to a, a structured camp type thing. Yes. So tell me, what is the objective of a training camp versus a seminar? And for the, I really don't know. And so this is not only for me, but for the benefit of the listeners as well. I would say at least, so th- this being my only experience, th- I would say that it's probably like a multiple seminars right so, okay so you know uh one day we're, we're learning uh uh gripping techniques fr- from which travis showed us some gripping strategies and techniques and then one day it, it might be uh mental preparation okay like for uh and some just general strategies and competing in a tournament like uh he showed us uh how he moves on the mat to set up a match even like uh, the, all the circling around and movement, there, there's purpose to that uh, and where you want your opponent when you grip and where you want his, his back and where you want to be. And some stuff I've, you know, stuff I've never really thought about. It was very interesting. Interesting. So what was um, so you were there five days? Yes. So you had an opportunity to to train with some of the. Mexican nationals. So were there veterans? Were the veterans there? Were they primarily from this side of the world? Um, primarily Mexican, American, or were there some others? I know you mentioned Sabrina. There, there were some others as well outside of the uh, this, this side of the world? Yeah, primarily uh, uh, kids and uh, even some of the, the veteran comp- competitors were from uh, Mexico. Uh, one of the gentlemen who I believe is the coach of uh, some of the national team uh, players that were there. Um, he lives in Mexico, but I believe he, he was a Cuban national. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, m- primarily Mexican players uh, and th- quite a few females as well. So what was your biggest takeaway from uh, this experience here? So let's go from, cause I know, I know Travis did a, a, a jujitsu seminar, correct? Yes, yeah. On the last day there, there was a, a he taught some jujitsu techniques and as well. Yes. So I remember you you were telling this to me, and I don't know how well you'd be able to communicate this to the listeners. Um, the gripping strategies that he 
um, that you learned at this camp from Travis. You 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 said something about being defensive, uh, or, or something along those lines, and it was an approach that I have never heard before. But I think it, and you don't even see this kind of stuff really at, uh, you know, let's say superstar judo or something. Something you it was very. Why don't you go ahead and explain that? Yeah. So the way that he taught us, and he says. He said basically that all of his teammates, Kayla, uh, Marty, and Jimmy, obviously, uh, they all employ this strategy. Now they may they all may have different techniques and different strengths and weaknesses in, in their game. Obviously, you know Travis, uh, his strength, one of his strengths at least is his nawaza. Uh, same with Kayla, right? But they have different throws that they like in different techniques. But he said that they all employ this strategy of you're basically taking away your opponent's. Uh, strength by uh, taking away their dominant hand and the gripping. So you're looking defense first. And um, the way he showed us, you know, he was basically getting that, that grip on the sleeve of their opponent. And I should note that this uh, particular strategy that we're talking about works same side players like righty, righty, okay. lefty, lefty. So, you know, you're, you're, so in a righty, righty situation, you with your left hand would grip their right hand and almost push it into their shoulder. You, he basically said we're focusing on a little square, and it's the square. Uh, if I would say their pectoral area to their shoulder, and you're basically pinning that dominant their dominant hand in that area against their their gi. And should they even break that grip? Say they they rip that sleeve out. You're then transferring that hand to that that same side lapel and forcing their dominant shoulder back. What this was doing was essentially making a right-handed player. You're forcing them lefty, right? Because now their right shoulder is behind their left shoulder. So now they, there's no way they can turn into you to throw you right-handed. You're forcing a right-handed player to if they're going to attack you, they're now going to have to attack from the le- their left side. Interesting. Which was a very interesting set. And basically, um, in this same thing, so while you're maintaining that that grip on your opponent, your right hand is kind of hanging out near your lapel area. You're protecting your, your lapel and your sleeve at the same time. And basically, he said that that right hand never went on his opponent until he was ready to throw. Interesting. Yeah, and so that's something that, you know, it's a completely different way uh, or even just a, a different strategy that I'm used to, but I've been working on it and I've been teaching some of those gripping strategies that that he uh, showed us at that, that camp. So that's like the main thing that I brought away from it. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's fascinating because we, we've talked about this before. Um, a lot of times seminars, a lot, it's very... You, I've been to a few and there's usually one thing I take away from there, but yeah. a lot of times um, seminars are just for the person who's just to show off what they can do, you know, a, a lot of times, yeah, you know, it's kind of cool to be in there in the, in the same room with them. But, but, you know, a lot of times it's just, well, it's one of those things, right? So obviously if you go into a Kosei Inui uh, seminar, if you're an Uchimata guy, yeah. That's the seminar for you. Yeah. So, hey, man, I, hey, I'm going to learn. But if you're a Tayatoshi guy and you're going to the coast, it's not going to be much of a benefit because he's 
they're obviously going to show what they're good at, right? Right. You know, if, if you go to, uh, you know, for BJJ folks, if you, you know, you're going to a Marcelo Garcia uh, seminar, you know, you know, if you're, you like to play butterfly guard, well, then that's the seminar for you. But if you, if you, one of these guys that like to play like lasso guard or something, probably not the seminar for you. Yeah. You know, right. So, so you're right. So you, you usually, um, you're, if you're going to attend a seminar, I suggest, you know, that you know that the, this person's game and what they like to do. And if it matches some of the things that you like to do, then by all means, you know, we, we recently had uh, uh, Nick Gregoriatus here uh, do a BJJ seminar. And I, to be honest, I had never really attended a BJJ seminar, but I wanted to come to this one. And some of the stuff that he showed was so good, and I, I picked up on it. It, it was very... It was one of those things where I don't think no matter what your game was, uh, the stuff that he showed was going to help you. Right. And so, you know, I'm like you. I'm a little leery. I've attended judo seminars in the past where and where the guy maybe had a great sayanagi, standing sayanagi. Well, that wasn't one of my, my strengths. And basically the whole seminar revolved around that throw. Yeah. And, I, and it's cool. Which yeah. is cool. Yeah. But it, it just didn't do much for my game, you know. So you had an opportunity to to also do jujitsu in in Mexico at this veterans camp with mm-hmm. Travis. What yeah. was what was that like? What did he show there? Did you have an did, actually? Did you have an opportunity to do Rondori or even roll with Travis? So I did not do Rondori with Travis. Um, I definitely had the opportunity. Um, but honestly. I all the the younger kids there. I, I could see that they all wanted to line up and they wanted a chance to do Rondori with Travis. And I felt like, you know, I don't want to s- steal an opportunity from some young kid to get in a train with an Olympian. Yeah, you know I, what I mean. I as much that. as I wanted to do stand up uh, with him, I wanted. I was. It was more fun for me to watch these kids really get a chance to. And the, the cool thing about like like we were talking about earlier, eighteen twenty year old kids. It was their gold medal match. They were bringing all they had. To try to throw the Olympian, oh, yeah, but didn't work out too good for them, as you might imagine. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely not. But uh, I did get a chance to to roll with with Travis. Uh, you at did Jiu Jitsu Seminar, yeah. Wow, and, okay. And uh, yeah, he's pretty much a beast on yeah. the ground. Yeah, and you know, because he he trains with John Donaher uh, from the Henzo Gracie Academy up in New York, and uh, Donaher, it for you guys that are familiar, they they're called the Donaher Death Squad. Because they they have so many high level guys, especially on the no gi circuit. These are guys that are uh, very leg attack oriented, so a lot of uh, heel hooks and foot locks and ankle locks and knee bars and stuff like that. And you can see that Travis, you know, training with those killers every day. Uh, man, it's you could see that that's part of his game as well. So he's a judo guy with a great g- game off his back. Uh, he did he didn't appear to have any weaknesses. Uh, in terms of uh, his name was, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I I can't imagine that that he would somebody at at his level. I, I just I can't even imagine. I've never I've never been I've never been on the mat with anybody that high a level yeah. uh, of a competitor. So that that's really interesting. And in it's my understanding you actually did a tournament out there. Is that is that true or did I misunderstand? Yeah. yeah so on the Sunday, uh, everybody who uh, was involved with the camp uh, that we put a little tournament together, and you know it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, like I said, we had an IJF referee uh, there to referee the tournament for us, and it was great. You know, uh, being it the camp was like I said, it was touted as a veterans camp, but there were so many 
um, young competitors too. Uh, you know, I was hoping, so I, I, I did the tournament for fun. I'm not much of a competitor these days, but mm-hmm. I thought it would be fun. You know, I get to go out here and train, uh, do some with the, the older guys. Cause there, you know, there were some older judoka. Well, that didn't happen. They put me in it. I guess it was probably more cause of my size. They put me in, uh, and the, the, I was competing against like 18, 20 year old kids that yeah. compete in the national team. And boy, did I get my, my butt handed to me on the mat. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, right. And you know, it wasn't even so much from a, 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 uh, a technique standpoint. I felt like my technique was as good as theirs. I mean, they definitely had good techniques. Uh, we were similar in size. Yeah. But the speed, man, the, <laughs> man. the speed of those youngsters, man, you just, you know, they got it. The second they, they got, their kumikata on me i was getting they were in they were they were so fast coming in i didn't even have a chance to react yeah i can only i can only imagine the the only people that can that can compete with young if you're in your 40s i I can only i can only imagine that the only way you could compete with somebody who is very skilled and in their 20s if you're both heavyweights and even even at that even at heavyweights you know they're they're still pretty fast. You know, and certainly at a national level they're fast, but international level they're just they're they're really fast. Uh, I, I think of you know the fellow from Georgia, Tushi's really that guy. Oh, yeah, that guy just dropped Serio Toshi like like a sixty six kilo player. Yeah, he moves like, um, a, like a lightweight. But yeah. but yeah, it's it's extremely. I I mean I I give you credit for for going out there against twenty year olds. I, I that's it must have been a lot of fun and a great experience, but. It just, I would have to think, it shows your age. You know, it's, oh, a, yeah. it's, a, it's a tough reminder. Oh, it's just, on, yeah, yeah. And, you know, speed is like the first thing that goes, right? It's uh, like yeah. our technique as we get older gets better. Yeah. Our movement, we're smarter with our movement because yeah. we can't move as fast anymore. And, you know, even getting older, um, your strength goes a little bit. But, you know, I, I still feel as strong as I, I have in the past on the mat, but the speed you you really yeah you really get a a, a glimpse of how how far you you well how yeah. much you've lost in that department. I mean, when I started judo at thirty one, I still had the speed of a twenty five twenty six year old uh, young man, and then it probably wasn't until about till I hit thirty three, I started noticing just a, a very very slight drop off. And we were talking about you know fractions of a second, but now. Now it's it's like we're talking a, a full two seconds, and, yeah. a, and a lot of you know it's just not the same. I, I just I, I have to. That's really where the sacrifice techniques come in in the Yoko Akari and things like that because I feel that that's just become that's going to give me the advantage that I just did don't have physically anymore with speed and such. Yeah, and. My game is really tailored around that now because, uh, you know, uh, like a lot of the uh, my training partners here, you know, we have the, the older guys, the black belts and stuff where, you know, our speeds are comparable. Their techniques right. are probably a little better. But, you know, it, and, but, you know I can p- play my normal game. But when I'm going to get some of these youngsters, uh, you know, it, no matter how much strength and technique I have on them, they can still get me with their speed. Yeah. And so it's really changed my game, uh, you know, uh, where, like you said, like having good sacrifice techniques is a good thing, especially like in the nogi, like some of our wrestlers, you know, they dive on that single leg. Uh, I've got a couple of nice counters off the single leg. You know, I, I love doing my uh, 
Sumigaishi from there. Yeah. And also maybe even turning into an Uchimata, stepping out into an Uchimata or stepping in deeper for an Ouchi. Those were all good counters to that. But the speed at which they enter, you know, it's, it's really changed what I do on the map. No, I hear you. So, Joe, did you see the Kayla Harrison fight? Yeah, I saw a um, a highlight reel of it, I guess, which is pretty much the whole fight. It only went like a little bit over a minute, if I'm not mistaken, right? But um, yeah, I, I definitely saw the uh, the finish. It was, it was beautiful. So you, I know you watch a lot more MMA than I do. I, I used to watch a whole ton, maybe, maybe 10 years ago or so, but yeah. I kind of, I don't watch nearly as much as, as I used to. And I, and I miss this because I, I don't have cable at home. Uh, and so, and I, I have my nefarious ways to get uh, certain streams, but I couldn't find the stream. I had a tough time pulling up the stream. So you managed to see it. Yeah. What, or at least some of the highlights anyway, what do you think of Kayla Harrison in, in MMA? You know, at first I was, I was a little bit on the fence. Um, for me, my questions about, I, I, obviously she's a great competitor, right? I mean, Olympic two time. Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. And you, you, we've all seen the videos of her training. She trains hard and, you know, she's in great shape. My thought was, where does she fit in MMA? Meaning, you know, because what, uh, what weight class did she compete at, at judo? I, I think in t- it was under 78 kilo. Yeah. So, so that, that's, that's kind of, that's up there. I think it's under 78. That's, that's up there for, for women's weights. Not right. that it's not the highest weight division, but it's up there. Right. So I mean, she was, she was built though. Right. You know. And in terms of MMA, um, you know, they, their weight classes right now, because there's not so many competitors, like I know the UFC has, they have a 115 pound division and then 135. And then they, they, they kind of have a 145 division, but that's, that's really b- built around cyborg. So she has somebody to fight. Yeah. Right? Cause she said, she's some, you know, pro, one of the more famous, uh, female competitors and they just need, they needed a weight class where she can't make uh, 35 she's way too big for that yeah and so this fight that kayla did they did at 155 which there's no real 155 division for you know that i'm aware of so it was kind of like a a special weight attraction kind of sure so my thought is can she make 145 and if she can i think that she'll be very successful um that's tough for her yeah that's gonna be tough because she just she's just um She's a, a very, very muscular woman, uh, yeah. you know, for her size. And, and I that would be tough, I, I would think. I would think. I didn't even know that about the 155. I, yeah, I didn't that know. one was at 155. So it's like either they're going to – there's going to have to be a, a pouring out of women at that weight class that want to compete at MMA. And maybe there is a market for it. If there is, you know, they'll they'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I, right now I see her only option is at some point she's going to have to try to make 45 or it's just going to be these kind of one-offs at 55, you know. That being said, um, she looks like she has – obviously we knew that her, her ground game, you know, beautiful Juju Gatami. Sure. Nice setup and yeah. everything. Just like when Ronda came in, right? She came in with a great Juju Gatami. Um, you know, I know she's working on her striking. Um, I didn't really get to see much of her striking because, like I said, I saw a highlight of it, and she kind of already had the girl against the fence where she set up the yeah. the, the Gigi Gatami, which was beautiful. Um, but I, you know, 
I imagine the fight that like all grappling folks want to see is her and Gabby Garcia. And so that's another fight that could happen at a higher weight because Gabby Garcia is a big girl. Mm -hmm. And even 155 would probably be tough for her to make. But they could probably make that fight there. And I know that Gabby's already calling her out, which is smart on her behalf because, you know, Kayla's only going to get better and, you know, get her while she's inexperienced. But I, I, to be honest with you, I like Kayla's chances even now if they were to make that fight happen next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think what I saw, I thought Kayla looked a lot better than I expected her to look. Uh, I, and I don't even know what I expected. I always thought for as great as Ronda was in the UFC, and she just recently was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame, so congratulations to her. I, her Ronda's striking, and look, I, I don't know enough about striking in MMA to even really comment. I just know what looks right and doesn't look right, and I never really thought Ronda's striking looked right you know it's it's like uh, i can't i know what a good baseball swing looks like i can't tell you what it is that makes a good baseball swing i can't tell you what that is but i know i know what a good one looks like right you know? and the same like a golf swing as well golf and, swing, right and you know i used to play a little golf and there's guys on the pro tour like a guy like jim furick where if you look at his swing you would never teach anybody to swing like that. Right. His swing, he's doing a lot of things wrong, but it works for him. Right. And I think with Ronda, the goal probably always was her striking was good enough to clinch. Right. Which is what she wanted, right? But then she ran into Holly, Holly Holm, Holm yeah. who was a striker first. Yeah. You know, she had pro uh, boxing yeah. and kickboxing. And her reach and stuff was way too much for, for uh, Ronda to deal with. And then Amanda Nunes is on another level uh, in terms of her striking. And obviously she's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. That was just a, a bad uh, comeback or attempted comeback fight for, for Ronda. Um, it's one of those things where I'm not going to say that it passed her by, but you, you we, it's this. That's what I said. I, that's what I thought. I thought MMA women's MMA passed Ronda by. That's it, what it, I thought happened. And it's the same thing. Like you saw that even back in the day, in the early days of UFC, you know, Good wrestlers came in and they dominated. And then guys who could strike and wrestle. Then you got a guy like GSP who comes along who yeah. can do everything. And that's the game has just evolved. It just changed. It and evolved, the women's right. game is now at that level where these girls are good in every aspect. Coming in with one discipline, whether you're a, a great wrestler like like a Sarah McMahon who was you know an Olympian wrestler. Uh, and then you got a you know an Olympian judoka like Ronda. That one skill set is only going to get you so far now because now these girls they're training as hard as the guys. Yeah, right? As hard as the guys, and yeah. Th you're seeing, and they that, were training hard before. I, oh yeah, I, yeah, I know what you mean, but right, right. just to clarify, right? Yeah, but it's the, it's relatively new on the women. So just like it was, you know, in '93 when you know the UFC won. These were all guys who were specialists in one one discipline, and yeah. then you saw. The men's game evolved, and then guys became mixed martial artists. Where literally, from day one, they were striking, grappling, right. wrestling, and now I think the women are at that level too. And you know, and Ronda, uh, my, my tip of the hat to her, she was a pioneer. And nobody cared about women's MMA. When I say nobody, I mean the the the, the, the public, the general, the public, general public. Yeah. Nobody cared until she. So she made it uh, 
legitimate. You know, because even in the beginning, Dana White always said, I'll never have women's MMA. It's nobody wants to see that. And then when Ronda kind of was coming up and when she got in strike force and people were paying attention and even Gina Carano, who was doing it before, you know. But it wasn't but the same. It wasn't the same. But, when, the same. but Ronda was the one who made him change his mind. Yeah, because you you could sell. You know, and I, I brought this up for just kind of just talking about this on a few episodes ago about Kayla. And Rhonda. Rhonda, for for as personable as as Kayla Harrison seems to be, she seems very charismatic or something. Yeah. I would have to believe that Dana White was not only selling Rhonda Rousey the fighter, she he was selling Rhonda Rousey the person. And and Rhonda and, and I and the WWE is now benefiting from Rhonda Rousey the the brand. I mean, yeah, she no, just, she, you're right. She, she's just something about Rhonda that that is um, is magnetic in her own way. Well, it, it really works for wrestling, right? Because the wrestling dynamic is there's heels and then there's faces, right? Yeah. So you either love and Rhonda came in with that. People either loved her or hated her. Yeah. You know, so it's perfect. And, you know, they can play that either way they want to go in WWE. I haven't seen any of her matches or any of her, you know, her pro- cutting promos or anything like that. But I know that she can do it. You know, they can use that dynamic either way. So, and yeah, you're right. Dana White saw that people wanted to see her fight. You know, this chick, she was beating everybody uh, with arm blocks. Yeah. I like, uh, what was it like seven or eight in a row or something like that? And it was like, people were tuning in to either see her win or lose. Right. People wanted to see her win or wanted to see her lose. Yeah, so it's 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 really and by the way, Ronda is doing fantastic, better than I thought she would in the WWE. And granted, it's it's scripted, yeah. but I think her um her her skill sets that she's acquired is allowing her to be able to do uh, certain things uh, in wrestling, and and she's doing judo technique. She is, I mean, I, I saw it. What's so funny to me is that because. Really, the wrestling crowd. Not only are they ignorant about judo, they're they're generally ignorant about physical fitness. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really interesting to me to see Ronda through. Um, oh, why 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 is why is her name drawing a blank? She she drew she threw uh, Nia Jax. Okay. She she's like she's a really beautiful but really big wrestler. She's got to be. They bill her at like 250, 260, oh, wow. something like that. Yeah. Uh, but she's gorgeous. She's just, just a big woman. And she threw her with Ogoshi. Um, and the crowd was like, like going nuts. Like they couldn't, like, like they were reacting like this was Hogan body slamming Andre. Andre the Giant. <laughs> you know, and this is, it, it was just like, like to me, it was like, I don't know. I, I, I've thrown people with bigger <laughs> weight disparities and they were trying. You, you know, it wasn't scripted. And it's like, it was just really interesting to see, like the crowd was just going nuts uh, with with her throwing throwing Nia Jax with that, and and um, yeah, whoever was called, I think Michael Cole was like, "That's the biggest judo throw in history." Like, no, come on, <laughs> the biggest, yeah, everything, everything's so big. But right. now Ronda's been doing well in the WWE. That that last Money in the Bank tournament, I know you don't watch wrestling, but not anymore. It was fun. I I really enjoyed it. They, the uh, there, was a, there was a couple of things that went on. I'm not going to get into it here, but I I enjoyed that pay per view. Uh, Ronda was certainly the highlight. It was it was the uh, at least the highlight in my opinion. It was her first singles match, um, 
And, and a, a really good screw job finish with uh, Alexa Bliss cashing in her money in the bank and she pinned Nia Jax. She got the belt. I thought it was setting up for Ronda to, to win, to beat Nia Jax for the title. I thought it was setting up that way. The WWE, they had a nice swerve. Right. You know, maybe maybe the, the internet wrestling dorks out there, they saw that swerve coming a mile away. I was like, hey, this is great. You right. know, just sitting back as just a casual fan enjoying what I was seeing. And it was a lot of fun. Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad that she's really, you know, found another avenue. Yeah. And, and the way I look at it is, is like you said, you know, most of these, uh, maybe a lot of the WWE fans maybe are not uh, the physically fit crowd but you know what there might be somebody in the crowd that says man this this judo looks this judo fun. stuff looks fun yeah maybe i should go try it yeah if it gets 10 people into judo maybe they tell 10 people you know and so I, whatever brings people to judo and, and grappling in general i'm all for it yeah they'll go to brazilian jiu-jitsu that's, a, that's what they'll do basically bjj basically just yeah judo. They'll, they'll go to jiu-jitsu because judo tends to generally speaking, tends to shoot itself in the foot when it comes to marketing and taking advantage of what's right there in right. front of you. Yeah. You know, they just they just fail to capitalize where... Uh, and I've, I've talked about that. I don't know if you've been listening to my yeah. episodes no, the I past haven't. several times. I've talked about Google Trends. It's interesting to see in English-speaking countries, which is, you know, relatively speaking, the minority, um, but you still, you know... United States, Australia, the UK, Canada, you see trends of, of Brazilian jiu-jitsu's popularity just growing yeah. and judo's going the other way. Yeah, um, and and like you said, that's primarily in the English-speaking countries. Um, you know, I, 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 I would like to see that um, even out. But so would I, oh, uh, yeah, definitely. What I would really like to see, because like here at, at our club, I know maybe our club's an anomaly, um, but, you know, trying to encourage students from both that don't train cross train, to do, like you know, I try to get people, judoka who come here for the judo. Hey, come, come to a jujitsu class. Yeah. It'll help your nawaza. You know, you, you'll, you'll pick up something. I, yeah. I guarantee you. And vice versa, BJJ students are like, Hey, you know, you're competing in these tournaments. If you want an advantage, Get a stand-up advantage, you know. Uh, you and the other guy, you're both purple belts, but you, you're you're both white belts on the feet. Why not make yourself a a a, a green belt or a brown belt on the feet? And now now you yeah. you know you control where the fight goes. It's just an advantage. Absolutely, completely agree. Well, Joe, I think we should be wrapping things up here. We're both drenched in sweat. <laughs> it's um it's the Florida heat, and you could pr- it's probably pouring outside. I heard some thunder. So I know we both got to get home to our families, but I appreciate you coming on the podcast once again. I keep saying it every time you're on here. I got to get you on here more often. Um, one day I'll have a proper studio where I can block out all the sound for my family and my dog. And, and you know, we can do this in the comfort of an air conditioned room. But this worked out well for us. I think the acoustics were work out. I'll, I'll, I'll hear it when I play it back and I, I might have to do some massaging of the uh the audio here, but uh, I appreciate your time. Do you got, uh, where can people get more of you on social media? Um, best place. Well, if you're on Facebook, which I know most people are, um, if you want to look up our group, it's uh, Ebor City Judo for Jiu Jitsu, and also uh, the Jiu Jitsu Club itself, uh, Ebor City Jiu Jitsu Club, are both on the Facebook groups. And on Instagram, you can catch me at J Kaiser, K I S E R 71. 
And uh, yeah, that's it. Probably about it. Probably you got a Twitter too, right? Yeah, I do. Uh, what's my Twitter handle? Uh, I think it's Jay Kaiser. No, no, no. Actually, it's C-Town Hood. C-T-O-W-N-H-O-O-D. Yeah. And for me, anybody wants to follow me on Instagram, my Instagram is awesome. At La Vida Judoka, which is also my Twitter handle. If you want to find me on Facebook, you, you could search on the Judo Chop Suey podcast. And if you're brave enough, you want to friend request me, go right ahead. Just search for David Roman, and I'm sure you'll be able to figure out who I am. I kind of look like the same guy that's on the uh, podcast cover art. So, uh, so Joe, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll definitely be training soon. Yes. All right. Take care. Os. Os. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Oh.